Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. So we've been moving like crazy. This will probably be a shorter podcast because we lost two days. We had a nor'easter come through where it was supposed to be our first big moving weekend. We're going to get a bunch of stuff moved over and make the transition. And unfortunately, we got downpours, and then we got snow, and then we got ice. So that kind of went out the window. But one of the other things I was going to be doing this weekend was that we were finally going to start bringing the tarantulas over. Now, what happened is we went over last night to kind of check, we're bringing some stuff over, we're setting some stuff up, I had some shelving I had to put up, and then the goal was to bring things over on Sunday. Now, the one of the things I was worried about is the temperatures in that room. We've It's a brand new house, I haven't been in it, they didn't use that room all that much, it does have its own heating system that's away from the other house, so, which is great, but I've been slowly creeping the temperature up to make sure it holds temperature. Now, I told Billy I was really worried about being able to monitor temperatures because, God forbid, something happened overnight and it got cold and something broke and the tarantulas were over there. We're not going to be there for the first couple of days, so that would be a nightmare. Long story short, my buddy Lewis, awesome guy, sent me a housewarming present that included the sensor push wire, wireless thermometer, hygrometer, and a Wi-Fi gateway and uh, this thing is amazing you basically plug in the wi-fi gateway you have this little sensor you put on a shelf and you have an app for your phone and it tracks the temperature and humidity in the room like i don't know one the other day i think it was two thousand different temperature readings it took it's just like on the anytime you open up the app it'll tell you what the temperature is in that room and it also tracks it over a long distance of time so for example if i want to see you know can i turn the heat down a little bit at night what does the temperature do over the course of the night i can track it that way so he sends me this item we hook it up the other night we were over there on friday night i hooked it up it was like man this is amazing i'm getting up checking the app constantly long story short we're over there yesterday and i'm up in the transfer room shooting a little video and taking some uh, pictures of stuff and i noticed it seems a little bit chilly so i'm like all right this isn't good so i go over and check the the thermostat it's set to 70, yet it's only 66 degrees in the room. So I'm like, oh, this is not good. What is happening? So nice thing is I whip out the app, I flip through it, and I find out that for some reason, the heat completely turned off when we first arrived at the house at around 2.30. So it, it, it was a neat situation where we could go, all right, here's exactly where it went down. Now, I don't know what happened, what we could have done to turn the heat off. There's a switch or something. We're trying to figure this out now. I'm kind of thinking, there might be a faulty thermostat, but anyway, it allowed me to track that. Now, if I had been, God forbid, if we put the tarantulas over there and I had been home, I would have had a heads up that the temperature had dropped and I could have done something about it instead of having a freezing cold room when I got there in the morning and possibly some tarantulas. So uh, it really, it's given me such a peace of mind. We jacked the heat up a little bit. It's working now. I'm probably going to swap out the thermostat just in case. I'm still, the, the part that's getting me wondering is the fact that for some strange reason, the heat seemed to turn off right around the time that we entered the home. I don't know what would have triggered that. It's possible we had the garage doors open, which are underneath it, and the cold air might have done something. There could be dust in it. So we'll go through and try to troubleshoot and see that. But my gosh, is, is that giving me peace of mind now, knowing that I can check at any time to see what the temperatures are over there? Just an amazing device. I didn't even know these existed and exactly what I needed, especially in these weeks leading up to the big move to be able to track what the temperatures are doing there so I can feel like my tarantulas will be safe when I bring them over. So, Lewis, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. Again, I've already thanked him, but I'd like to thank him publicly because that really did – talk about timing, too. It was amazing because we set the thing up on Friday night. I never even would have known. And God forbid we had brought the tarantulas over there and this happened later. I would have popped over the house and found a frozen frozen room, and I would have been in panic mode. So anyway, now we're going to swap out the, the thermostat today, get things going. I'll be moving the tarantulas over. So long story short, we lost, you know, Friday evening, we had to come back a little early because it was raining. And then 
Saturday, we lost all of Saturday, so now the scramble's on the move and get into this house before Christmas time so we can get a tree up and, and enjoy ourselves, and so I can start doing podcasts and videos from there. So anyway, moving on to the next little mini topic, not a huge topic, but I was finally able to get, I actually meant to post this a while ago. I've had him for several weeks now, but uh, a listener, somebody I've corresponded with quite a bit, Jared Levine, contacted me and told me that a friend of his, somebody that he knows, had P. murinous true color form slings. Now, I had mentioned, this is where having, when everybody's like, oh, you do all this good stuff for us, and you do the podcast, and you do the videos, thank you so much. I do get stuff out of it because I get contacted when there are spiders that I'm looking for, which is amazing because I'd never know about this otherwise because sometimes they're from sources that you wouldn't necessarily stumble upon when you're just looking up dealers or whatnot. So. Jared let me know that a buddy of his, Edgar Harwood, had a sack of P. Murinus True Color Form. Now, these are the original color form that were, you know, we, we're all used to the OBT, the orange bitey thing. But back in the day, there was a version of the spider that wasn't quite so bright. It was more of a, a brownish color. They're still glorious. They're, they're beautiful spiders, in my opinion. But unfortunately, what happened was, as the orange ones came in the hobby, those became the popular ones because they are beautiful, stunning tarantulas. And the brown ones kind of faded out. I believe I mentioned this in a podcast where we're talking about different species that I'm afraid would disappear from the hobby because people don't have interest in them. And this was one of them. And I think I had mentioned I was looking for them. So I got four slings. They are, oh my God. It's it's funny because every once in a while, it's been a long time since I've had a baby OBT, a baby P. Murinus, not the OBT. And I remember mine was a great little hunter as a baby, and I remember being so excited about growing this up and having the apprehension because all I've ever heard was these things were demons and monsters and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just thought they looked like – I loved the look of the spider. I thought I was ready for them. So I got mine. My girl's a total sweetheart. I've been long wanting the brown, you know, the brown version, the true color form. And I got these guys in and every once in a while you get a spider. It's just like, man, it brings back those memories of when you first got it serious into the hobby. And I set them up in little five ounce deli cups and gave them, you know, substrate in the bottom, some moss and, and they'll do a little burrowing. And I didn't put any cork bark in because what they'll do is web up all around that moss and make little holes in there. And I use the five ounce because it gives them a little, you know, extra depth. So they're not sprinting out or freaking out every time you open the enclosure. But when I got them in, I got them situated, and unfortunately, the package FedEx has been kind of dropping the ball a bit lately. Obviously, there's a lot going on with you know the whole pandemic and with shipping and whatnot, but packages seem to get lost a little more than usual. So it got lost for a day, and we had shipped it during nice weather, and the weather got a little cold, so I was worried, and I opened it up. And they seemed fairly lively when I, when I opened them up and got them rehoused, so I let them sit for a little bit, and then it was time to feed them in. I looked and I keep Red Runner roaches, the Turkish roaches, and they've had a lot of babies lately, which has been great because they're perfect size for little slings. But the babies had kind of grown quite a bit, and I, I looked at the babies, I looked at the size of the sling, I'm like, man, I don't know if they're going to eat these. Well, I dropped one in that was a lot bigger than I planned to drop in. That little Pimiranus bolted out, wrestled that thing to the ground, pulled it back into its den, like with ferocity I haven't seen in quite some time. It was amazing just to see these little tiny slings that ferocious with the eating. So I went and fed the rest. I was giggling. Billy comes over and says, what's going on? I'm like, look at these things. They were crazy. It was awesome. So again, every once in a while you pick up, and, I, and those of you who are in the hobby, and I talk about this with Billy sometimes, and I, and I miss it to a point. When I first got serious into it, I mean, I had a tarantula for a while, and then I started getting slings, and then I started picking up all different ones that thrill, because at that point I was still arachnophobic. So there was always the thrill of opening up. I remember our first rehouse we did with a sling was a tiny little El Parahibana sling. And you would have thought I was dealing with, I, I don't know, a, a monstrous 12 inch venom dripping from its fangs, 
tea stirmy or something because I treated that thing like it was radioactive because I was still scared of them at that point. You know, I was, I was cautious. I'm the same way and now I am, but you know, very overly cautious because I didn't want this thing to get out. I heard about them bolting, heard about that, you know, them th- these threat poses or whatever. It was a tiny little sling. It was ridiculous. But what happens is you get in the hobby and you're so used to getting them in, it just becomes part. It's like second nature. You get you get something in, you open it up, you, you rehouse, you go, oh, there it is. It's in its house. You feed it the first time. Woo, on to the next one. And I think sometimes we don't stop and think about it and, and we don't get that thrill we used to get where we're new to the hobby and this is a new thing. Now, obviously, I and myself included, when we get new spiders in, we're excited. We're elated. We're, we can't contain ourselves sometimes. We're so, you know, you open them up. But I'm talking about that feeling when you're just getting into it. And somehow getting these guys, it brought me back to that when I got my first, my OBT years ago and the rehousing and feeding it. And just for a moment, I was able to capture that, which was great because that's, you know, it's the only thing I lament about getting so deep in the hobby over the years is the fact that you do lose that sense of wonder, I guess it is, when you're when they're new, when they're, you're seeing things for the first time, you kind of lose that. So I don't know. I had this little episode where I'm sitting there giggling like a little kid, feeding these guys, just watching them eat. Now I feed spiders all the time. I feed things that will, you know, I fed my Zenthus species the other day, and they were they were bounce off the wall when I'm somersaulted land, and 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 again, love watching them. But this was something different. For a moment, I was able to go back to that point where I first discovered the hobby, where I was getting my first slings in. It was it was really special. It was cool. And I, I normally don't, you know, get corny like this talking about things, but it is something, you know, I, I turned to Billy the other day. I go, I do miss, we were, I was editing a video. I'm putting up a video, which we'll be talking about the species in a moment of Imira. And I was editing the rehousing that I did and I was poking it with a brush and I'm watching it and I realized I don't even see these animals as spiders anymore. I used to see, you know, back in the day, even when I appreciated them and respected them and, and, and thought they were amazing and, and fascinating, I still saw them as for lack of a better term, bugs. I know they're not bugs, they're right, but I'm just saying that not. I didn't see them the same as I would like a ferret or a gerbil or something like that. They were like there were those animals, and then there were spiders. And I hope that makes sense. I hope people aren't going to sit there and come for me with you know pitchforks and torches. I love them. It's just I saw them as a different type of animal. Let's put it that way. Not one necessarily that was cute and cuddly. Well, I'm watching this video and I'm poking it, and I realize I'm watching it the same way I'd watch somebody like move a mouse. Like, oh, it's so cute. Look at it. It's so chubby. And it was kind of cool because I'm like, wow, that I've come so far since I first started doing this where I do not, I see them akin to the fuzzy animals we would keep. And I realize now that I'm going to be one of those weirdos that when we talk about spiders and stuff with people, I talk about how cute they are. And I've long thought that some of them were cute. You know, I have certain ones I think were cute, but this was realizing that just my perception of the animal is, has completely changed and softened a great deal. So I don't know why I'm so introspective today, but it was something to come out that I thought some people might identify with and I thought was pretty cool. And there's not many people that would appreciate this. This isn't the type of topic that you break out, you know, with your new group of work friends and say, hey guys, you know, I was looking at a spider the other night and I thought how cute. And I think they're like, my, they look at me like I'm crazy. So anyway, I, I thought that was interesting. I, I got these guys in and it really, it was an awesome moment. I'm excited about them. Since then, they've eaten three more times and I'm absolutely and loving raising them up. It just, it somehow, again, it reconnected me to what it felt like to first get into the hobby and start raising these things, which was incredibly cool. So thank you to Edgar. Thank you to Jared for hooking me up with these guys. I'm so glad I was able to get them. And uh, I will definitely be doing videos on them moving ahead and husbandry podcast and the whole nine because uh, they're awesome little spiders. So as I alluded to, the main focus of this podcast today will be the Idiotheli Mira, and I, just a little backstory on this species. This is one I get asked about quite a bit, 
And although I had ones years ago and I did a couple husbandry videos on them, these are the old school ones where I think it might have been my daughter Sid that was holding the camera and there's a lot of ums and mm, it just, it was me just starting off on YouTube. So I think a lot of people look at these and go, um, hey, do you have anything like a little newer? Have you done these guys again? Could you give me an update? Because, and I don't blame them. That's actually being quite right. When you go back and find a video and it's like five years old or six years old, it, it please check with the person to see if there's any updates because they don't know. As far as they know, I rehouse them and they died after that. But unfortunately, here's a story with my first one I got in January of 2015. And it was a little sling, a little like half inch, three quarter inch sling. And I housed it in one of the Jamie's enclosures. They're basically the AMAC boxes. They're like two and a quarter inch square by around four inches higher. So very, very popular with slings. And originally I put in, I believe I was using cocoa fiber at that point, put a couple inches of cocoa fiber in. I kept the corner moist, gave it a little starter burrow and the little guy, we know it's guy, I was gonna say guy, gal, I, spoiler alert, it turned out to be a boy. Dug down to the bottom, dug a little tunnel, covered it up. And this was something I found out early on that these guys are basically trapdoor spiders. And I believe one of the common names, when I looked it up, I wanted to look up the common name for it, which is blue foot baboon. I always refer to them as blue footed baboon, but it's blue foot baboon. But one of the other ones was the trapdoor tarantula. And I don't believe that was the name when I originally got mine. So obviously people are pointing to that as something that's kind of unique about this species. But the little sling, I noticed it, it would cover itself up. And I would be like, oh, crud, it's in pre-molt. And then next thing you know, it, I'd drop a praetum in. The praetum would be gone. It would be covered up again, which I thought was unique. It wasn't until later on that I actually witnessed the trapdoor behavior. And we'll get to that one in a moment. But anyway, it, I kept it in the Jamie's enclosure till it got to be about two and a half inches or so, two inches maybe. And then we rehoused it into a 32-ounce deli cup with several inches of substrate. At this point, I, was, I had switched over from cocoa fiber to topsoil. So it was topsoil. I also added the cork bark this time, gave it a little starter burrow beneath it, kept the bottom of the substrate moist, but this time with it being larger and a more arid species, I would let the soil dry out in between. But again, it buried itself, completely covered over the top of its den, so you couldn't actually see the opening to the den, which I found to be very unique. And then one day I was watching them because I had heard somebody who told me, yeah, have you seen these guys trapdoor hunt yet? And I'm like, I have not. So I tried to catch it a couple times, got you know bored basically sitting there with a the camera hovering over it, waiting for it to pop up. And finally, I think it was like the third or fourth time I had attempted this, I dropped in a cricket, I waited, waited, waited. Well, suddenly, it isn't the greatest video at all in the world, but it pops out of this little trap door, grabs a cricket, pulls it back in, closes the trap door. Coolest thing I've ever seen as far as, you know, to that point with tarantulas because I didn't know any of them did that. So they are, they will have given the space to burrow, create those trap doors. And it is a true trap door where it has a little, like, you could pull the little plug out of it. Now, I kept this one in the 32-ounce deli cup for quite some time. And this is the problem I've always had with the true fossorial spiders that can be very difficult to tell how big they are when you put them in something because you never see them. I think the worst instance I ever had with it was with my H. Gigas. I had two that I bought as slings. I put them in 32-ounce deli cups. And one day I went to go feed them, and I took the top off the deli cup, and I set it down, and I wasn't paying attention. I looked over, and the spider was sitting on the top of the deli cup, easily covering the four-inch leg span. Its leg span went all the way across the top of the cup. It was huge. I had no idea they were this big because I never saw them. So it was like, oh, time to rehouse. So it was the same thing with the mirror. I didn't see it very often. I knew it was eating because the crickets were disappearing. Finally, it stopped eating, so I figured it was in primo. We waited, waited, waited. And then finally, I think it was in around June of 2016, 16 or so it I opened up the container one day to find my mature male sitting on the top he was ready to go so it was kind of a bummer because it was one of the few at this time I was always buying slings in threes because I wanted to make sure I got a female and this was one I only bought one of because they were a little pricey back then 
So again, when I say I'm sad, there's always somebody who comes up like, I, I think it's terrible that you don't give males love too. I love my males. It's it's not that. It's just you want them to be with you a little longer. And when they're males, you know that their time is running out. Or in some cases, you send them off to be paired and you don't see them again. In this case, I had somebody that was interested in them. It fell through. I ended up rehousing him into something bigger. He never burrowed again. He just kind of ran around trying to find a female to mate with. And then I believe he eventually passed away the winter of 2016. So he grew rather quickly overall, especially because back then I wasn't using the extra heat in the tarantula room, so the temps would dip down. Like when I got them, it probably hit high 60s during the wintertime, which is kind of cooler weather for tarantulas and usually leads to slower growth. So he grew well overall, which is always a good thing when you get a little sling because nobody wants to wait forever to have the big, beautiful adult. The blues are stunning. I do think that a lot of the pictures of the blues, though, they jack up the the color saturation on it because they are don't get me wrong it's it they're gorgeous feet and when you see the overall color of the spider kind of that beige cream color brownish color it, it, it's a nice coloration don't get me wrong it's kind of hard to when, when you have so many blue spiders as soon as you say brown or beige people get turned off but those feet when they hang out of the, every once in a while you catch them hanging out of their den and they are stunning especially the way they capture light but it's more along the lines of an h polker peas an older h polker peas where the it's a bluish sheen to it but um, it starts to wear down between molts. So just heads up. There are, don't get me wrong, right after a molt, I've had, I got some pictures somewhere, one of mine, where they're pretty brilliant. But I've also seen ones where they jack up. That it looks like they're electric, you know, the species electric blue is bright as they are. But gorgeous spiders, very cool. Now, the second one, what happened was it's been years since I've had one. I meant to get one. I finally got another one of Sling in the fall of 2019 early fall 2019 and this time we set them up in a dram vial because it was it was a pretty small one so I put it in a larger dram vial probably two and a half inches by an inch and a half across or so I put in moist substrate which this time was my own mix of peat a little topsoil and cocoa fiber with some sphagnum in there and basically did what I expected to do buried right down to the bottom made a little den did not make the little trap door thing and it's been a fantastic eater. As you'll see, if anybody looks up the, the video, I'll be posting the video hopefully today at latest tomorrow. I got to finish editing up. But it was, it, this one gets quite plump. Some of the quote unquote baboon species or the African species tend to not get as chubby as, say, the New Worlds when they are in pre molts. And when you talk about they get, oh, is your spider nice and fat? Sometimes the African species don't get as fat. These guys get, or at least as slings, quite plump. One of them almost looks like a fauna pelma. Uh, one of the pictures I got almost looks like a fauna pelma with the size of its abdomen. So it does get pretty plump. They eat well. I started feeding this one. I believe it was it was the red runner roaches, the smaller ones. It was eating them no problem. Moved up to medium-sized ones. It grew quickly once again, and it was one of those deals where I popped the top off, and I realized it didn't have enough room anymore because, and it's while trying to create a, a larger burrow for itself, it basically hollowed out the entire container, so all the dirt was pushed around the sides, and it just had like this opening. It had no den hole; the whole thing was just open. So it was just like a pit right into the dirt. You could see the spider clear as day. And when I'd open it up, the spider would cower in the bottom, which I felt terribly about. So I'm like, all right, we got to get you into a new house. So what I end up using is one of those sterilite. I actually retired these for a little while because I was using clearer enclosures, but I can't seem to find any of the enclosures I normally buy anymore. Everybody is sold out of the ones that I've been using. It's been ridiculous. And these are good. These have worked very well for me for years. I like them for the larger larger juveniles or fossorial juveniles because they're about five and a half inches across, six inches the other way, and then about five and a half or five and three quarter inches deep. So it gives you plenty of room for a juvie. 
So the new container I set up, again, use my mixture of substrate, put about four inches in. We put a piece of cork bark in, starter burrow, some sphagnum moss around there. The bottom layer of the substrate was moist, but I put drier stuff on top. And I will, every once in a while, I will moisten down a corner of it. But at this point, when they get larger, they don't seem to prefer or need the moisture as much. But I always like to give them the opportunity to have that if they need it. Also got a water dish and the rehousing went beautifully. It's funny because it's a little baboon and things probably about two inches. And I'm trying to, I'm sizing it up with my fingers, probably about two inches leg span or so big old booty on her, but she was so laid back and calm when she moved in. Like she didn't want to leave the, the dram vial or try to get her out with a brush and never, no threat poses, no bolting, just was a total sweetheart about it, which was awesome. And this is one of the species that people talk about when we talk about quote unquote beginner old worlds. If there is such a thing, I always throw that that in there because there are people like there's no such thing as beginners there's no such thing as beginner old worlds well if that's if you're in that camp totally fine but for the people that are looking for an old world that they can keep that they can you know have that spider that has you know the potential to bolt that has that extra toxic venom but is more laid back than say other species other old world species then this would be a good one to start with because from what i've seen in my experience and talking to a lot of different people many people, not all, many people report that theirs are fairly laid back and very shy. Again, we use the shy word a lot, but I think with the fossorial species, it fits because this, the last two that I've had, you barely ever saw. If you give them enough room to dig, granted, you are not going to see your beautiful spider as much, but your spider is going to feel much more secure, content. It's going to hunt better usually, and it's not going to be defensive every time you peel off the top of the enclosure. Now, if you don't give them enough substrate, A, I think that's that's garbage. You, you should always allow the spider to do what it naturally wants to do. But if you don't give it enough substrate, what you're going to end up with is it webbing heavily, and you have a situation where every time you peel off the top of that enclosure, that webbing gets disturbed and the spider gets upset and defensive. So there's something, you know, I have a lot of people that ask me that, you know, hey, I'm looking to get so-and-so species, Achillobrachis, uh, P. murinus. I don't want to let it dig, though. I want to put it in something so I can see it all the time. Is that good? I, I don't agree with that. I, I honestly don't. I've said that many times before, and I know people will disagree with me, and I guess there's not there's it's not a right or wrong thing. I just see it as if a spider is naturally going to want to burrow, we want to give it that ability. If we're deprived, if we're taking that away, if we're giving them shallow substrate so they can't burrow, we are purposely depriving them of their security. That's the way I see it. But anyway, that would be, I, I've had people go, yeah, I got this species and I thought you said these were kind of calm and mine's kind of crazy. And then you look at the setup and it has like no substrate. Well, it's like, yeah, you've, you've given it no room to hide. It's scared. So anyway, I digress. Great. I, I think this would be one that I would definitely recommend. The only thing that might hold it back is they can be kind of pricey, but I, I'm assuming somebody that's getting their first old world, most people they're at that point where they're, I would like to look into getting my first old world tarantula. They've already kept new worlds for a while. They've been in the hobby for a while. They get the price situation. You know, with beginners, beginner tarantulas, I try to take into account price because people are kind of sticker shocked sometimes when you recommend a species and they go, it costs $75 for a sling. Yep. So I try to recommend less expensive ones for them so they don't have that sticker shock. But again, somebody that's been in the hobby for a while, 75 bucks for a sling really isn't a big deal for a lot of us because you just get used to paying the extra money for the ones that you want. So anyway, we got it in the new enclosure. It's immediately dug down into the starter burrow, filled the starter burrow up. I haven't seen it for a while, but again, if you see the video, she... 
Hopefully she is quite plump and ready to malt. So I'm praying that this one, because this is going to be, I think, the malt that if I don't see her for a while, I'm going to start to think, oh, it's a male, because I don't know if other people have noticed this, but when you have the males go through their mature malt, it seems like they go through a much longer pre-malt period. I've started to pick up on that when looking at some of my numbers for you know how many months there are between malts. But the last one went down for quite a while, didn't see it. I was worried it was going to be dead, and then finally popped up male. So hopefully she pops up sooner than later, and I say she because I really need a female of this species. But again, once again, like adult, I only bought one of them. So my fault, should have bought more than one. But as far as care goes, these guys are very simple. Give them some some substrate to dig in. When they're smaller, make sure there's a little moisture in there. They kind of build their own burrows. I found that mine eat well. They grow quickly, and I have kept them at the lower temperatures, you know, up, upper 60s or so for the first one. This one, the one I have now, has been raised, I think, the tarantula room, the shelf she's on low 70s or so in the winter time and then high 70s to even up to 80 in the summertime and she's grown grown again fairly quickly i think they're more shy than defensive from what i've seen but as always temperament can vary from specimen to specimen and from molt to molt you could have a very calm spider that turns into a very crazy spider after a molt so always keep that in mind don't ever generalize to the point like oh tom said they're safe so i'm gonna get this one no always pay attention to the behavior of your individual specimen and they're just really cool spider a lot of people love the look of those blue feet and again i, I don't want to i'm afraid earlier on i mentioning the fact that some people blow up the contrast or saturation on their pictures that's not to say they're not beautiful in their own right there are gorgeous spiders and i don't think you need to do that with to see the beauty in them so i want to make that very clear because i can picture somebody going what are you talking about mine's super blue they they are blue it's just i just want to make sure that again instagram's a wonderful place to check out pictures of real spiders it's just also a place where people want to get as many views as they can get so the they're tempted to maybe play with the pictures a bit to make them look even more striking. So I just always try to caution because, again, I got into it with somebody about Harpactera pulcropes, where I love this species, one of my favorite species, but they were talking about how my female was so drab, and I'm like, that's what the females, adult females, look like. They're like, no, I've seen them online, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but it's one of those species where people jack up the the gains on it and make them look extra vibrant it's like if you look at them they're still beautiful they're just not you know they don't look like they just walk through radiation or something so always like to throw that out there but awesome species again i'm hoping fingers crossed this was a girl if not i will be getting more and this time i'll buy more than one so hopefully i can get a female and i will obviously keep people updated on it for an adult enclosure i haven't had an adult yet when i had the the male that I took out and rehoused, I put it in like a, it was a larger sterile bin, probably about 10 inches by 8 inches across and about 9 inches deep or so. Probably maybe a little bigger than that, but I tried to give it some room. I was hoping it might do some burrowing, but it was having none of it. It was looking for the ladies. But for a, there are smaller species overall, so I'm guessing something around a 5-gallon size or so. You're going to want enough depth for substrate, so you want to make sure that it's at least, you know, an adult, I would assume at least 4 or 5 inches of substrate at least. And keep in mind, if you put 4 inches of substrate and it burrows all the way down, some of that dirt's going to get brought up, so make sure you leave some space between the top of the substrate and the enclosure. I've done this before where I overfill it with dirt for a fossorial species. The fossorial species digs its hole, brings the dirt up, and packs it right up against the lid, which kind of creates a, you know, not an ideal situation. So always leave some room, but something around five gallons or so that gives it, you know, the important thing is to give them enough room to dig and do their thing. 
I really, the one I caught trap door hunting was my male, and it was only about probably two and a half inches or so at that time. I really want to see an adult do it. So again, when this one gets larger, hopefully it's a female, we get into something permanent, clear, maybe something acrylic and nice so that I can catch some of that trap door behavior again. So awesome spiders, not really difficult to take care of, not not unreasonable unreasonably priced i think they're you know it depends they seem to go up and down when i first got mine it was really expensive then they were kind of everywhere for a little while and they got a little cheaper i'm like wow those are those are really cheap now and then the last time we got some they were back up again so supply and demand it's if people want them and there aren't a lot of them out there expect to pay a little bit more for them but Awesome spiders for people looking to get into keeping baboons and fossorial species. And again, that trapdoor behavior makes them truly unique to the hobby. So that'll probably about do it for this one. Although I do have one other topic I want to bring up, and I alluded to this earlier, and I'm wondering if anybody else has found this as well. I've often talked about how I'm constantly trying to find new enclosure styles, and then every once in a while I find one I really like. Well, lately I haven't been able to find any any of the enclosures that I like to use, the ones I buy at Target, the ones I buy at Walmart, the ones off Amazon, four different types of enclosures. I haven't been able to find any of them. We were basically moving and I'm trying to get, there's certain enclosures I like. I have these ones by M Design that are made for like, I think they're called like women's high heel shoe boxes or something, but they're taller plastic. They have the hinge tops. And I went to go order more of those the other day because I have some rehousings to do and they didn't have any. They're currently out of stock. We don't know when they'll be back in stock. So I'm like, okay, whatever. That's weird. Hopefully they'll come back in stock soon. So then I have smaller ones I use for the sling. Same type of enclosure basically, but they're probably about five inches by six inches or so, maybe four inches deep. Smaller ones, I use them for, larger slings again completely sold out i just did a video where i uh, featured some ones i got from target they're clear awesome for for the larger terrestrial specimens because they offer a lot more floor space than some of the sterilite versions and again the tops clear sides are clear all sold out. It's unbelievable. We went to buy shelving. The putting up the shelving was bonkers because I'd buy like three pieces that I needed at one place. And I'd have to go to another store, try to find a few more. What is going on? I'm thinking it's weird because it's almost like I told Billy with the pandemic going on and everything. It's like people are just buying shelving and storage stuff. It's I've never seen anything like it. Now, again, if you've been in the hobby for a while and you're buying enclosures and stuff, every once in a while they sell out of something. That's normal. But to have like four different types of enclosures I've been using completely gone off the market has been just confounding. So it and frustrating because I have everything that I want to do with this room and I have certain ones. Again, it's always a quest to find the better enclosure. You know, there's always something out there in my mind that's going to be a little bit better, look a little nicer, be a little easier to convert. But with that said, every once in a while you stumble upon something that's like, I'm using this for the long run. And it seems like every time I find that one that's like, this is what I will now use for larger juveniles. This is what I will now use for larger slings. Because again, for the adult stuff, there's I don't mind spending more money for glass or acrylic. But for these younger specimens that aren't going to be in the enclosures for that long, I do like to find something that looks nice, but at the same time is less expensive and I don't have to worry about scratching it up. But it seems like every time I find one, I, I pick up a bunch of them, I like buy them over the course of a couple months, and then I go back later on to buy more, and they don't make them anymore. So not sure what's going on there. Really frustrating, and 
again, this is why I'm mentioning earlier in the video that I brought back these ones I had kind of retired, these Sterilite ones, which don't get me wrong, they're great. I've raised a lot of larger slings in, but I had eight of them that I bought years ago and couldn't find anymore. I, I had a bunch more slings I wanted to rehouse them, couldn't find them anymore, so I found other things. I stopped using these, and now, ironically, I'm back to using these because I can't find any of the ones that I originally bought to replace them. Funny hobby we've got here, but I figure people appreciate that because I'm assuming other people are having the same issue right now. I don't know if it's something to do with the holidays. I don't ever recall having an issue finding things during the holidays, but maybe that's it. But it almost seems like, again, with the shelving and storage, that's all that people are doing because I went to Walmart the other day and their storage, Billy and I were looking for stuff because we're moving and we're getting Tupperware to put stuff in that will be going into the attic instead of the cardboard boxes, a little more permanent. And the shelves were just picked over. There was just like broken lids and a broken container here and there was nothing. So Anyhow, maybe I'll post up some of the ones that people let me know if they find them, but it's just been really weird and, you know, kind of annoying trying to get these guys into it. I made a list of all the things I'm going to rehouse, and there's a lot of them, but there are more things I have to rehouse, and I don't want to go out and start buying new enclosure types again. This happens all the time. So... No, there's a dog snores in the background. We'll leave that one in, whatever. So anyway, that will do it for this one. Apologize a little shorter, but again, we're hopefully we'll be done within two weeks of this move. I am keeping up with the podcast. Uh, videos are kind of la you know lacking in the video front a little bit, but it just takes a little longer to sit down and edit them. But we'll keep the podcast going. I have a, a longer idea that we'll deal with next week that I think will be a fun one. Then maybe we'll do something for the holiday season. I don't think I've ever done that. Usually I I'm so focused on getting a podcast done that I sometimes forget that it's a holiday. I mean, one of them I think I did on Easter Sunday, and I remembered halfway through the podcast that it was Easter, and I should probably mention it. So maybe we'll do a holiday special or something. We'll see how it goes. But anyway, I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Can't believe that was only a week ago. It seems like it was or a little over a week ago. It seems like it was a month ago. And I uh, hope everybody's getting ready for the holidays. So anyway, that will do it for this one. We'll catch you guys all next time.